So welcome to another episode of Yo Soy, based out of Mexico City, and we talk about what's happening in Mexico and what's happening in the United States for Mexicans. I choose to use Mexicans as my demographic because I am Mexican, as well as I choose to use Mexican because there's 70 plus million of us in the United States, and also there's 120 million of us in Mexico. So there's a lot of us. My goal is to teach and make sure we understand the power we have as Mexicans to make change on both sides of the border, which is the United States and in Mexico as Mexicans. So here I go. Today I want to talk about immigration, illegal immigration. I want to talk about the impact it has on the United States as well as what it's doing to Mexico. As far as my perspective, I actually work in Dallas, Texas. So I have to travel through McAllen, Texas many times in order to make a connecting flight or if I want to take a bus to Dallas from Mexico City. When I do this, I'm often amazed by how many times I arrive at 7 o'clock in the morning and I can't get off that bus. Or at least I can say I can't get on a bus to 2 o'clock the next morning. Why? Because I'm seeing shiploads of immigrants coming from the Catholic Diocese Center across the street from the Greyhound in McAllen, Texas. And they're walking across every time a new bus shows up to go to Dallas or to go to some other city. So when I do this, I'm always amazed as an American and Mexican citizen that I'm actually being pushed to the side to get transport services by our government. They're not shipping them to Dallas or Austin. No, by any means, because the buses they have on them are often tagged cities like Oklahoma, Phoenix, Tucson, Seattle, Portland, Florida, many other cities. And you have to ask yourself, how is the government giving money to this Catholic church in order to pass people to another part of the country? It's like an old machine, though. I sit there and I watch every day people come in with speaking Spanish to these individuals and then giving them lunches, having them sign a piece of paper, and then giving them some other things inside of envelope. Every one of these individuals have phones. That's another fascinating thing. How can they have phones? So when you see the system that's happening, it's quite shocking. I recently heard that Venezuela now is emptying their prisons and sending all of their individuals from Venezuela that were in prison into the United States. Another travesty amongst the American people. But I want to talk about Mexico. I had been a Mexican citizen. In fact, I just found out my grandmother came from Mexico and she actually went through this same border that I've been taking the bus on to come to the United States when she was 17 years old. Turns out she was a dreamer. We never knew that. My grandmother was a dreamer at the time, which was in 1928, she came here to become a citizen or try to become a citizen. So after many years, she had the full family. We have a very big family. She, had, she was married. And she had a large family, and she established herself by working in the fields and working as a house cleaner in various cities, in Silver City, New Mexico, and then 
in Phoenix, Arizona when I was four. I have to tell you that I know this story very well because I actually used to go to my mom's house, to my grandma's house, and then she would take me to work because I was a gringo. I was a gringo. I was very a white guy. And so that she would take me. So when she was cleaning the house, I could play with the doctor's children who were there. And I would go there and I would watch her clean. And then I would go play with the other kids, the little white kids, like I was. <laughs> and so I enjoyed it. I didn't know very much Spanish. My mom didn't know, my grandmother didn't know very much English as well. But we were able to communicate as a grandmother and a father, as a mother, and my as a son. Now, I say all this is because this is very important to understand. I believe in immigration. I believe that if you look at the total number of immigrants of poor people in the whole world, our one million that before this last year happened, that we allowed into the country, we allowed one million every year. That little million is now turned to four million in one year. One year. And you have to think about how, what kind of impact that has. I don't think a lot of those individuals are coming from Mexico. They're coming from Argentina, Venezuela, other parts of the world. They somehow mysteriously are getting across their continent into our continent, coming up through Mexico and out. Let's talk about the real problem, though. The real problem is the coordination between governments, between Mexico and between the United States and the handshake of money that's being passed would allow that to happen. You can't forget, this is not something that isn't a business. Transportation is always a business. When Greyhound is giving all these tickets, it is a business, okay? They're not doing it for free. I know because my ticket prices are going up. So they're not doing it for free. So they're truly all are doing this to make money. Greyhound is making a ton of money by transporting 4 million people throughout the United States, as well as the airlines. Think about that. 4 million times the average ticket, maybe it's $100. That's four, one, $400 million Greyhound is made on the transport of illegal immigrants across the United States. Corporate America once again, is making a bank, okay? Now, they say the cartel is shipping them across Mexico. Maybe that's true. Maybe so, pans. that's not better than tricking drugs, but isn't it fascinating that the two items that is milking the cartel money is human trafficking for the United States as well as selling drugs to the United States. They are actually transporting being the little guy for the United States in order to transport humans as well as drugs, probably along the same transport lines. So when you think about how the U.S. government works, we think about how the Mexican government is working, and we can't stop to realize that it is the transportation of these people and products. Obviously, the drugs are coming from China. The people are coming from South America and from other continents through South America. Money is being made. Who's paying this money? You can't forget who is paying this money. That is the American people. The United States people are paying for this service. Sadly, 
for many years, people kept saying that the, both Republican and Democrats didn't want to stop illegal immigration because they got cheap labor. That's not the way it works, my friends. This has nothing to do with cheap labor. There's everything to do with the laws that allow this to happen and the lawmakers that are creating this paradigm to occur where they're allowing laws to not allow for change to happen. That's right. As a Mexican, I grew up wondering what is going on. Why can't we solve this problem? Why is my family, some of them not illegal, not legal, how is it that they cannot be legal? The process has always toyed against them on purpose because when it comes down to, it goes down to vote, vote, voting. As I said before, the reason why Mexicans haven't gotten political power until 19, after the year 1970 is because they were counted in the U.S. Census. Doing my investigation of luck and where I knew where my grandmother actually came from, which was Mexico, on the other side of Sonora, right above Mexico City, I was fascinated by the fact that she didn't show up in the U.S. Census until 1940 in New Mexico. So what that means is that many people, many Mexicans weren't showing up in the U.S. Census. And as I found out in history and reading the books, it wasn't until 1931 when they first started counting Chicanos. And then it wasn't again until 1970 when they continued counting Chicanos. So that means for 40 years, they kept it quiet, which means we could not get political power. That means we didn't have the right representations in neighborhoods to be able to get political power. We couldn't get housing. We couldn't get fair housing loans. We couldn't get, a, we couldn't get fair education loans. We always got little, little money, if anything. Because our numbers did play. So this is what I'm saying we have to do to make a change. We have to be smart. We have to go out there and we have to vote and understand how to be the difference. Not how to have hope. No. That's a line that Cesar Chavez first used in his 1984 speech Commonwealth speech in San Diego. And then Obama took it later and stole like he stole everything else. Reality is we have to have hope. We have to be the change. Yet Obama took it, used it, and Caesar Chavez wrote it. Reality is very simple. Right now, we have a very unique time in which Mexicans on, Mexi on the United States side can actually apply for their citizenship and are able to vote. That means they can have influence in solving the corruption that we have in Mexico that honestly is not as bad as the corruption in the United States. Okay. United States is pretty bad. In Mexico, we still have hope and the ability to make something special happen. We do this by voting and making sure that we push out the politicians who are not good for Mexico who didn't care about the youth. Because see, the good thing about Mexico is those politicians have been in for quite a while. We know who they are. For example, the mayor of Mexico City, she's been in office for five years before that. She was in the United Nations, but she's done nothing to help the youth of Mexico. In fact, she built a train station 
that just was redoing another train station that everybody used anyway and didn't have a problem so she can get money to the Chinese who built the train. Once again, infrastructure that could have been used for education so we could help the young Mexicans become more educated, make better decisions, and elevate their lives. Now, we all know Mexicans are hard workers. God knows my whole life. I remember I did a joke one time because I do stand-ups. And I said, I told my mom about being in the gang there. And I got a scar right here. Here's the scar right here. In fact, you can see the scar. I got this scar from a gang. And my brother says to me, if you want to get out of these projects, gangbanging isn't the way to go. Because if you gangbang, you're going to end up dead. Or you're going to end up owing somebody else for your life. As a Mexican, you have to work three eight-hour shifts a day to get out of these projects. When she said to that, I was blown away. Was I doing it? I didn't realize I was doing it. I was living my life. Vida loco. I was teaching John, smoking the weed. I was enjoying myself. But then I realized that day that she was right. I can work my whole life and work in the kitchen and graduate to the Chinese kitchen. Or I can get an education. I can change my life. I can look at all players and evaluate them, not emotionally, subjectively. I can say, you are a woman, but you have done nothing to help us Mexicans. So I cannot support you. You were a man and a politician for 20 years and you did nothing to help us Mexicans. So I cannot support you. You are a politician and you've been a politician in the United States for 20 years and you're Mexican. I don't care if you're Latino at this point. And you're Mexican. And you've done nothing to help the Mexican. And you keep saying, why do I say the Mexican and not the Latinos? Because the Mexicans represent 80 to 70% of all Latinos in the United States. What that means is we have power. And it's time to take it. It's time to look at both sides of the wall and say, Viva Raza. Yo puede? And I will. It's time to let Mexico be free. To take away what Fox did and what Slim did and what all other major politicians that are Mexicans that have money in their pocket. It's time to tell them, step up or step to the side and go back into your condos and your villas in Paris or in Hollywood. Go to your Epstein's Islands and leave us alone. Because it's time. The world is in fast flux. It's in fast flux. And it's time. I want to thank you for joining me. This is Yosoy. I hope to talk about more positive things and a better future. But it's time that we work now. We have a field of lettuce. We have a row of carrots. We have hundreds of trees that the apples have to be picked, the grapes put into our basket so we can help the future 
of all our Mexican young people who are trapped by the lack of ability because corporate America hasn't given it to us. Because Mexicans before us have sold us out. These Latinos have jumped onto our ship and taken power from us that we deserved because we had the numbers and we worked fair. If you don't stand up for who you are, then you will be nobody because those who will stand up for you will lead you down a path that takes you off the edge of the hill to your death. Because they don't care about your future. You have to care. We have to, as an older generation, help the young understand how to have the vision and how to work for it. And that isn't how to pluck the grapes. Sure, we can do that. That isn't about how to build the houses. Sure, we can do that. We also teach them how to look at political power, corruption, and teach them how we do not be that. And we don't allow them to be our future. Vigil Rasa, this is Josoy. Majordomolist.com. You can find our podcast information as well as any objects, hats that you want to buy to support us and donate to us. Because we are here to try to make something happen for Mexicans on both sides of the wall. Hasta luego. Un día, día y noche. Resort.